Hello, and welcome to Crypto Connect, the show that teaches you how to learn about, connect with, and onboard into the world of crypto, blockchain, and Web3. I'm your host, Sam McCarthy. Each episode, I'm joined by a member of the crypto community, someone building something cool, working for a project, or otherwise reshaping traditional elements of society through crypto and blockchain technology. The goal is to demystify what it's like to work in the industry and to share the best ways to get involved. In this episode, I'm speaking with Sarah Liu, who works in product marketing and community growth at Layer 3, a Web3 startup focused on helping people contribute to DAOs and earn in crypto. Earlier this month, Sarah wrote a fire Twitter thread about her first few months working full-time in the world of Web3, and I invited her on to hear more about it. We talk about what the term Web3 means to her, how crypto facilitates ownership on the internet, and how together they are accelerating the creator economy. We discuss how DAOs, as new digital city-states, enhance personal freedoms, while also breaking down the main challenges facing DAOs today. Lastly, I asked Sarah about what it means to accrue and use an on-chain resume, and whether this truly is the future of work. It was great to connect with Sarah, and I hope this conversation furthers my goal of demystifying what it's like to work in crypto and Web3 and sharing the best ways to get involved. Enjoy. Hey, Sarah, how are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Uh, so, yeah, I was thinking we could start with a three-part question uh, kind of related uh, to each other. And uh, so what initially drew you to Web3 and crypto? Uh, how did you go about learning uh, and onboarding yourself into the industry? And uh, what ultimately gave you the conviction to go all in? Sure. So I think I first started thinking about Web3 and crypto when um, I was working at my previous job. And uh, I used to work for a Chinese social media production company. So we did a lot of like um, stuff with content creators and I had to manage a couple of content creators. Um, and, you know, a lot of my specialty was within this, like what people call the creator economy. Um, and I saw a lot of just inequality and like inherent unfairness in that. Um, I think what I noticed the most was that, you know, we were kind of just acting in service to some of these large platforms. We mainly worked with TikTok, but um, it was just like everything we did, all our KPIs, all our goals was just to sort of meet the platform standards. Um, and that's kind of the goal that we had to set for our creators as well. And I knew that that was just inherently very unfair because, you know, if you are a creator, you want to produce work that resonates with people and work that you're proud of, but when you have to adhere to this algorithm, um, then you're not really doing that because you're producing work that adheres to that specific algorithm. Um, so I think that made me realize like a lot of the things wrong with the web two creator economy. Um, and then I started looking into this whole idea of like a web three creator economy. And back then I didn't really know what exactly it was, um, but I knew it was like powered by crypto and I knew that NFTs were a part of it. Um, so I started researching all this and created a Twitter in January just to read about it and like talk to other people about it. And then I think I just suddenly like started getting hooked um, and exploring all these topics just made me realize like how much 
potential and innovation there is in this space. Like everything moves so quickly. Um, I think I read like every article that came up on my timeline. So that was one way I really started to research and look into it. Um, but I think it was really kind of an organic journey where a lot of the experiences I had in the past just like led to another. Um, and it all tied up pretty neatly when I started like, you know, thinking about these concepts, um, especially, you know, like a concept of like ownership in Web3. That was something that really stood out to me. Um, so I think that, you know, it, I can't really place my finger on when exactly it started, but I'd say that it was very organic and I just started discovering topics I was interested in. So once you got involved with crypto Twitter, there's no going back then? I think so. I think a lot of people who do get involved in like crypto Twitter would say that because it's just like, I mean, that's, that's the other thing, right? Like Twitter has a very addictive algorithm. So it kind of knows like what you want to see, or it feeds you the information that like everyone's really talking about. Um, and I think in like sort of this, uh, you know, alternative way, like you kind of get to know Web3 through this like uh, very like dynamic Web2 platform. Um, so I definitely recommend Twitter if you are trying to explore Web3. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Uh, Twitter, I find, has a lot of noise, but if you can curate a good uh, follower and following, um, you can definitely get a lot of good information uh, from that, as well as a network, too. Um, so I, I definitely uh, echo that that point. Uh, so I, I was thinking that like words like you know Web3 and crypto uh, get thrown around a lot these days. So in order to clarify a couple things uh, for our audience, uh, what does the concept of Web3 mean to you? Uh, how is it similar and different to crypto? And what do you see as the role of crypto uh, within Web3? I think one of the easiest sort of explanations with Web3 is that um, and how it's different from Web2 is that Web2 was this era where you could read and write on the internet. So you could, you know, view other people's content or you could produce content. Um, and all of that often is stored in centralized databases of certain websites or platforms. Um, but I think what's different with Web3 is that there's this concept of ownership. So you read, you write, and you own. Um, and not all of it is stored within like one centralized uh, website or platform or app where like one centralized entity has the power to sort of control um, what you're owning or like, you know, your output. Um, and I think that's really important because uh, the potential of, I mean, we've seen kind of the potential of like censorship as well as the potential of like one entity having way too much power over like creators content. Um, you could like be gone in a second um, if Facebook decided that it didn't like your content or if Instagram decided that, you know, it wanted to wipe your profile out. Um, so I think that's what's different about Web3 is that, you know, because there is this technology where everything is stored on a public ledger um, that is immutable and basically like very, very difficult to replicate or change. Um, that gives like, that gives people the opportunity to like really own their work. Um, and I think, you know, maybe ownership is not the most important tenet of Web3, but it does kind of accelerate this economy where um, 
creators and uh, content creators and uh, creatives and you know people who are just producing things for other people to see and enjoy. Um, they don't have to rely on these like middlemen. They don't have to rely on agents or copyright lawyers to really enforce, um, you know, like property uh, property rights over their own work. Um, and I think that's really important because we see so many creators who do not get properly compensated, have their work copied, and like you know they just get completely ripped off um, um, based on like the work that they put on the internet. And I think that you know that's not a problem that Web3 necessarily solves, but I think it does make it easier. Um, and I also think that um, for a lot of like creatives, this is something that is important to them. So that's kind of what I see Web3 as. Um, sorry, I may have gone a little off topic, but I think for, for crypto, like crypto is the currency that is powering that, right? Like I think crypto initially started as a decentralized financial system um, as a way to bypass these like institutions, as a way to bypass these middlemen. Um, and I think, you know, they work in tandem. I don't think like crypto is necessarily separate from Web3. I think that crypto powers Web3 and Web3 powers crypto because Web3 is ultimately the thing that's going to bring mass adoption to crypto, um, this new way of thinking about the internet, as well as this new way of, of thinking about ownership and like creation. Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great answer. In fact, I, uh, I agree. I think that um, there's also a sense that, you know, this ownership that uh, people are able to have over their own work, as you were saying, also gives like, uh, a, an added passion, almost, uh, and sense of definitely a sense of community uh, that I'm, I'm seeing in, uh, you know, in some of these uh, small, you know, smaller projects, uh, that are that are emerging, uh, you know, I don't really see very often, you know, so much passion towards, you know, traditional web two platforms necessarily on part of the creators. Uh, but, you know, in web three, we definitely have creators that band around certain, uh, well, certain platforms, that is a web two word, but uh, certain platforms that are hosting their work, uh, as well, in, as well as giving them an opportunity to own a part. And uh, I, I think it really inspires people to, you know, work collab more collaboratively, form a community around this, and, uh, you know, spurs a lot of uh, more interesting and exciting work there. Uh, so yeah, I think you put that really, really well. Um, uh, speaking a little bit more generally, uh, what, what do you think uh, this sense of ownership that Web3 uh, gives creators, uh, how is this fundamentally um, different uh, with respect to work, labor, um, and the general organization of human capital. And this can be either compared to traditional systems of employment, or like we've been talking about more specifically, uh, compared to working in a web two world. Yeah, for sure. Um, so I, I don't think I have maybe the best answer for this, but the way I've thought about it is that, you know, it really, I think Web3 has the potential to alter our relationship to capital because this whole concept of decentralization and transparency, that's not really something that is preached and built into like the traditional financial system or the traditional like internet um, system where like, you know, you have these platforms that exert control and you have these monopolies or these like 
big banks that exert control over a lot of like what's going on and who has access to resources. But what I've seen with Web3 is that, you know, there are, because of this new technology, there are all these like little, like what are effectively network states, or I like to call them like, you know, they're, they're like mini nation states. You have a treasury that you control. Maybe you have your own token. Um, you have a bunch of people who are really committed to a shared goal or cause. Um, you know, as much as, you know, nation states exist today, like a lot of it is just premised on imagination and like aligning people over like a shared identity. And I think that Web3, like it definitely has an has the potential to do that, to do that and we've already seen it do that with like DAOs um and i think that really alters how we think about like labor and capital because traditionally labor and capital is controlled by a government um it's controlled by like a centralized entity um that most of the time like does not really give a fuck about people um but you know like i think with DAOs like people are joining these organizations where they choose to be a part of as opposed to like they're just born there and they have to be a part of um so i think that opens up like a whole new host of you know governance possibilities and what it really means to be like someone who consents to being governed as opposed to just like born in a country and then forced to live under the rule of this one person or this one government so this is interesting uh the traditional or, you know, how I've traditionally viewed this is, you know, individual blockchain networks like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Avalanche, whatever. Um, I view those as more of like the traditional nation state infrastructure, right? Underpinning all of the work and, and finance that is transacted on top of them. But you're kind of giving a, in, you know, an idea that these DAOs, which are built upon these crypto, this crypto infrastructure, that these DAOs are a little bit maybe like city states almost, you know, smaller versions. They obviously they don't have any borders. Um, it, it's all enter and exit by your own, on your own volition. You're not necessarily born there or signed there, you have to work there. Is that correct uh, in terms of how you're viewing the space? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think my thoughts aren't fully formed about it yet, but you know, it, it's just a new way of thinking about networks and what kind of networks we consent to be a part of. I like that. And obviously, I feel like most DAOs today, if not all of them, are just giant experiments and evolving before our eyes. So I don't think anybody can give you a perfect, a perfect answer as to what they are exactly or what they're going to be. Right. Um, and if they say that, if they say they can, they're probably lying. But uh, also shout out to, uh, I think you use the term network state. Is that, uh, is that the title of the new Balaji book? I, yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think it's just DAOs are a really interesting experiment right now. And, you know, they're only like a couple years old. They're essentially like kindergartners or like preschoolers. Um, so there's a lot of experimentation. And I would be interested, like, in the future, maybe there is a DAO that can actually provide like benefits of citizenship. Or, you know, like, if you're part of this DAO, then you get you know, universal like healthcare or health insurance or, you know, some of the benefits that a nation state like tells you that they provide. Like, I'm wondering if they can ever go in that direction. And like, I think 
um, that's like a really interesting area for people to explore, not just DAO governance, but like literal governance of people who choose to be part of these like mini nation states. That is an interesting concept for sure. Um, I, that actually transitions pretty well into my next question, because especially if you're in, you know, in crypto and Web3 and reading about it all the time, it's easy to hear about all these very uh, rosy outlooks, uh, you know, how things are great and going to be continuing to be great and nothing ever goes wrong. But in fact, uh, you know, DAOs, I, I think we both know, uh, they you know, they, they struggle as well with uh, even, you know, tr just traditional organizational tasks, um, definitely participation, contribution rates, uh, things like that. Uh, and so, uh, I, I wanted to ask you, like, what are what are some of these challenges that DAOs currently face, um, particularly uh, in terms of participation? Uh, and is it just that not enough people are aware that this sort of work is available at this point? Like the word hasn't gotten out enough to enough people? Um, or is it something more? And uh, before you answer, I did want to mention that you, uh, Sarah wrote a blog post on this topic. Um, in uh, the Layer 3 Mirror blog, which I found very, very insightful. Um, it's entitled Five, Five Challenges uh, for DAOs to Overcome in 2022. Everybody should go read it. Uh, but yeah, so what do you think some of these uh, challenges are? You can cite your work or, uh, you know, some of the newer ideas you have as well. I think um, definitely one of the most obvious challenges is that we're so used to living in like a centralized hierarchy or like under a centralized hierarchy that we expect someone else to tell us what to do um, when it comes to work. And, you know, maybe there are there's definitely a percentage of people who don't. Um, a lot of freelancers, a lot of people who don't work in traditional industries, sure, like it's very easy for them to transition to this. But I think as a whole, we have been taught literally ever since we were born it's like you work for a company you climb the ladder you get promoted maybe you go to another company and get a better role you get a raise whatever um there's like a very solid way to think of work and that has i honestly think it's kind of been like propagandized and really drilled into our heads right like there's no there's no real like force of nature that says like we have to work this way um, but because like that's been the norm for so long, I think that, you know, no one really knows how to work in a decentralized way. Um, and people are really struggling with that because, you know, there's when there's like no authority to tell you what needs to be done, you have to like find the avenues in which you can provide value. And that's super difficult, especially if you're new to Web3. Like, how are you going to like go to a DAO, go join their, their Discord and just be like, by the way, I think you need to like change these things. Like, even though I just hopped into like Web3 like a week ago, um, you feel like you don't have that authority. And I feel like we constantly like sort of like self-police ourselves and like thinking that like, you know, we have to reach a certain level of expertise to really like provide value. Um, and I think, you know, maybe for some technical things that 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 does make sense. Like you can't propose to change an entire smart contract if you have no coding experience. But um, I think right now it's like a challenge just because a lot of people don't even really know what Web3 is. And then you're asking them to work in this like completely unfamiliar fashion. I mean, even myself, I feel like it's difficult for me to be like, okay, I'm going to like 
go full-time contributing to a bunch of DAOs and that's how I make my living because I know that that's not a reliable way to really move forward. So unless we find some kind of structure that like really, you know, helps uh, contributors like ease into this. And, you know, we're actually working on something like this at layer three, where we have like a cohort of contributors that can just dip their toes into a lot of DAOs and try it out before committing to a certain work stream or a certain DAO. Um, I think that something like that is really helpful because um, right now, DAOs are just like, you know, like, just come work for us. You know, you're leaving out a lot of talent and a lot of people if you just expect people to come to you. I think that's the struggle. Yeah, I agree. There's definitely a, uh, a huge learning curve, but also a participation curve. And what I mean by that is not only learning the, the technical side of Web3, but how, you know, how things just function and operate. Um, and it can definitely scare some people off. I feel like sometimes there's just so much going on, so much information all the time. Uh, it can feel uh, a little overwhelming. I, you know, I think finding your your niche is very important, which is also the wonderful side of about it because there are so many different kinds of uh, projects going on that. If you look hard enough, uh, you'll probably find something you're interested in, but it does take a lot of time and effort uh, to, to do that and then figure out exactly where you can add value. Um, so I agree. I, I think that was a good transition into, uh, you know, I wanted to hear a little bit about uh, your involvement in, uh, in layer three as well. So if you want to give just a brief overview about uh, like what you've been doing there. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I currently do product marketing and community growth at Layer 3. Um, and, you know, when I say that, it's a very weird title because I think that like a lot of people in Web3 recognize that product marketing and how you sell your product is just inherently tied to your community. Um, so I've been working a lot like thinking about that, thinking about how to make our content really helpful for, you know, especially like new people who come into the space, like they don't know, maybe they don't even know what a DAO is. Um, but generally speaking, our mission as a company and as a Web3 startup is to encourage everyone and help everyone work for a DAO or contribute to a DAO. Um, and as a result, help everyone earn in crypto. Um, and I think, you know, that's, really valuable because uh, so much of what drives like DAOs and crypto in general is just this idea that there are no borders and that talent is everywhere. Um, and that, you know, this network we have, these, net these network states, like they're global and they're borderless and they're per permissionless. Um, so it's really just about thinking of ways to reconceptualize like what work and labor means to people um, in that context, um, which means that, you know, like a 16, um, my co-founder actually said this very eloquently the other day, it means that a 16 year old, you know, who is a computer engineer in Bombay may have the same opportunities as a 27 year old Fang engineer in Silicon Valley. Um, and that's ultimately what we're trying to do is we're trying to equalize sort of these opportunities because we know that Web3 and crypto really has the potential to do that. And, you know, shout out to the two 16 year old engineers on our team because they are actually like insane and amazing at that. 
And if I could go back in time and tell my 16 year old self, just like learn solidity or learn <laughs> right. that, that would be, uh, that would be the one piece of advice I would uh, tell myself also buy Bitcoin. But uh, uh, yeah, do you have to be though a, co uh, a computer engineer and a 16 year old genius to, to contribute to layer three or participate in this ecosystem? Oh, no, of course not. So our the general concept is that we partner with DAOs who are in need of contributors. And um, if you're a contributor, it can be as something as simple as like writing a Twitter thread um, or making a meme. Um, and, you know, some of these contests where people have made memes and wrote Twitter threads, they not only get to earn crypto, but they get to earn in like ownership tokens um, or governance tokens for that community. So I think the other upside to it is that there's a really great, it's a really great method of discovery and like, you know, exploring different DAOs before committing to them. And then like, once you actually do the work for a DAO, you may actually earn a governance token and then you decide, oh, you know, this DAO is for me, I'm going to keep doing that. Um, and then you like have this pathway to contribution that's not necessarily like filtering through a hundred different Discord messages or like cold DMing everyone on Twitter. Um, so it's just a really easy and instant way to like contribute to a DAO and kind of learn about this contribution process, learn about what the DAO is about just by uh, making stuff for them or making resources and, you know, just researching and doing it on your own time. Like, I think that's what's going to be really valuable. Amazing. Yeah. I, I've also heard uh, you talk about the, this concept of on-chain resumes with respect to layer three and kind of bringing your, your skills from the real world. And uh, you know, what that means is documenting the, the completion um, and participation contribution uh, you make to these projects on the blockchain, which is then open and transparent for everybody to see. So I, I wanted to kind of get your opinion on what you thought will be, or maybe already is the role and importance of these on-chain resumes. Uh, what are some of the best ways to build them? Uh, and maybe you can answer the question, is this the future of work? Sure. Web3 is very pseudo-anonymous, um, which means that, you know, not everyone has their full identity revealed and some people don't want it revealed because maybe someone would discriminate against them in a traditional like hiring setting. Um, but, you know, they've done really amazing work. Um, and I think that on-chain resumes really have the potential to bridge this trust issue because like maybe a DAO doesn't want to bring this contributor on just because they're not sure about like what they can actually offer. But if you have an on-chain resume, which is, you know, it's like indisputable, like you can't copy, say like I did this task and I got paid for it. You can't copy that to someone else. Um, and, you know, in the future, maybe we'll have like uh, NFT that is bound to your wallet and that can't be transferred to anyone else. So like, it's a credential that only you have, like, all this stuff that um, is really beneficial with blockchain, I think it can sort of be expanded into this idea of like, okay, yeah. like how do you prove that you can contribute and bring value without having to dig into your entire past and personal work history um, and things that maybe would traditionally have like for, that would, things that would traditionally like close the door in your face if you were going through like a traditional hiring setting. 
Um, so I think that's the really interesting thing about on-chain resumes is just like everything in Web3, it has this potential to just completely flip our idea of like what is required to sort of like make a living as well as just to, you know, have a livelihood in the real world. It, it, it just like does not translate um, directly to Web3. And I think that's really powerful. I have to say, I find this idea of, you know, this pseudonymous work and the fact that people are working with as well as all these investors giving so much money to people whose identities they they don't know at all. And all they see is the work that they've done, as well as like the network that they've cultivated, things like that. And I, I find it fascinating. Uh, it's definitely there's no uh, there's no comparison to anything in the traditional working world. I mean, everything has always been based on face to face interactions. For the most part, we are transitioning a little bit to, you know, more of a Zoom life, I, I feel like, but it's still very, uh, you know, identity based. And so this this whole idea of pseudonymous work is is quite fascinating. I don't feel like it's going any, going away. It's pro it's probably just going to be uh, you know more and more prevalent uh, moving forward. So definitely something to follow. Um, I, I I certainly will be. Uh, and yeah, switching to the other project that I I believe you're you know involved with as well, the Decentralians one. Um, this one is a little bit more education based. So I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about. Uh, kind of the education space within Web3 and uh, specifically, uh, you know, some of the improvements that that could be made uh, to the experience of just getting educated about Web3 and crypto. We've already mentioned, you know, the huge learning curve, the abundance of information. So, you know, in your opinion, how can this experience be be improved uh, and how can we broaden the reach of some of these Web3 native educational organizations? Yeah, for sure. Um, so I'm, Decentralians was, um, it's also called Invisible College. Um, and it is technically like, you know, they, they brand themselves as the first college that's owned by its students. Um, and that's essentially what it is. Like it was my first DAO. Um, I purchased an NFT of a Decentralian. And with that NFT, I have now have access to all the DAO resources and educational tools um, that they give to members um, as if, you know, I'm attending like a real school. Um, and I think that was definitely the most friendly way to like, I got really lucky because that was a very friendly way to like onboard into Web3. Um, I think that the education and you know, the, the Web3 education space is obviously it's like heating up because I think underneath it, like more and more people just want crypto to reach mass adoption and more people to, you know, like join or like provide liquidity to, you know, like crypto protocols and DeFi protocols. But um, I think one of the challenges in that and one thing I see is that people are still trying to like appear mostly legitimate to just the crypto space and not to not like trying at all to do that outside of the crypto space. So a lot of people, a lot of companies that I've interviewed with and talked with um, when they talk about marketing, I always propose, you know, TikTok or Instagram as a way to build up trust with uh, non crypto natives and they always see it as like something to be done later. 
um, or something that's not really important. But I'm like, if you're educating people about Web3, the people who are already really educated about Web3 are probably on Twitter um, and like have already made a bunch of friends and mutuals on Twitter who can teach them. Um, the people who are not educated about Web3 and the audience that you want to reach is probably on TikTok or Instagram. Um, and I think there's like a still a need to kind of infuse like just web two strategies and reaching a wider audience um, because we focus so much on Twitter and crypto Twitter that we kind of lose sight of like who we're actually trying to reach, um, especially if you're like educational, like who do you wanna educate? Do you wanna educate the 100K like NFT influencer on Twitter or do you wanna educate you know, someone on Instagram who's curious about Web3 and is trying to make the leap, but is too scared to. Um, so I think that's the one thing that, you know, a lot of these uh, projects really have to think about. Yeah, I think that's certainly a challenge because even though these communities, and I said, you know, in the beginning, one of the huge advantages are these communities, they become very tight knit around certain projects. And, you know, crypto Twitter is just that on a macro scale where, you know, when you're involved in it, you know, every day, uh, you know, it becomes like a huge network. Uh, you know, there's uh, inside jokes, there's all these things that you belong to the, this community of people, but outside of it, you know, uh, nobody knows what, what, what the hell is going on. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it, like you said, in order to, you know, increase adoption, if that's the goal, like those are the people that that need to be targeted and welcomed into this crazy environment. Um, and it definitely is is a challenge. I, I think, you know, the the Decentralians project is very, very cool. Um, I myself personally, uh, I'm involved with uh, another learning DAO, it's called uh, Crypto Culture and so Society. So shout out to them. They're also really great, putting out a lot of great content about onboarding into Web3, learning about crypto, that sort of thing. Um, and, you know, these sort of projects, I truly believe hold value. It's just, you know, how do we get the word out there that these resources exist because they're so rich in information and, and learning potential. It's just, uh, you know, not, not as popular yet. Um, so yeah, anyway, we've come to like the last couple questions. And with these last two questions, I actually wanted to, you know, leave our audience with a little bit of actionable advice, um, you know, kind of as a reward for, you know, listening this far, maybe we can start a listen to earn here. <laughs> That would be a really cool podcast concept if you think about it. I mean, yeah, uh, should we coin it right here? <laughs> yeah, listen to earn the new uh, the new Web three podcast. I'm surprised no one has thought of it yet. <laughs> well, I'll start. Uh, I'll start drawing up the NFTs immediately. Oh, there we go. Um, That's the way. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, yeah. First, the first question was like, what do you, what do you view as like the most important skills? Uh, I guess beyond being a 16 year old uh, computer whiz, uh, the most important skills to succeed in web three now and moving forward. And how do you go about obtaining these skills? Yeah, I think probably the most important skill is, I mean, this is something I always tried to embody when I was a student, but is to just have like a beginner's mind. Um, and I think what that means is that like, you are never too smart for something. 
Um, I think a lot of people really get like in over their heads with like feeling like, you know, once I've learned this thing, like I'm good at everything and then I'm going to preach to other people about how much I know. Um, everyone in crypto like doesn't know anything because it's also new. And like, I think we should really just accept the fact that we are literally all beginners because this new technology is something that we're like trying to learn about and experience together. Um, and I think the faster you realize that, the faster you are willing to sort of admit that like, you know, no matter how much I learn, I'm always a beginner. Um, then you open up your mind to tolerating like things that you wouldn't have accepted before or information that you would have rejected immediately. Like, had you thought you were an expert. Um, so I think I've tried to like really apply that a lot to uh, crypto and Web3 in general, because, you know, even with something I was like, okay, I know nothing about DeFi and I really like, you know, I am an idiot at this. So like everything I read about it, I'm gonna like consider it, um, even if it's like, a bad opinion or even if it's deemed as something that I shouldn't pay attention to like I think that really helps you with just not ruling anything out and of course like with crypto it's like you you can't rule anything out because so much is always happening um so <laughs> that's one skill um I think maybe the other skill is just like you know take it one step at a time um it's really easy to get overwhelmed and uh, I feel like you don't have to know like everything um, every day in order to be on top of things like as as you said, like determine a niche, um, follow it, uh, follow other people in the same niche, like write about it and just really try to kind of like create a narrative for yourself around this niche. Um, and I think that will really help people understand like why you're interested in Web3 aside from just, you know, maybe from amazing gains or whatever um yeah so i think those are two that would I, I i would advise everyone to really think about yeah i that that first point uh really resonates with me because you know it's it's easy to kind of have like an imposter syndrome i feel like and be like oh everybody knows so much and i know so little so how could i possibly you know participate in this space uh, but you just have to take it a little bit at a time and, you know, read up on it. Like you said, I, writing for me has helped a lot. Um, and, uh, you know, eventually you will become somebody who knows more than others. And that is valuable uh, in one way or another. Um, it just takes time. It'll, it'll come like quicker than you think, too. Because like one second you're like, what's a blockchain? And then the next second you're like, wait, I'm like explaining, you know, like DeFi to other people. Um, which is, you know, you, you just don't really expect that moment, but you're like, wow, like I actually learned a lot. Um, and I think having that assurance is really nice. Just knowing that you're learning. Um, I think that's the underlying reason why I stay in this environment. Um, because I feel like there's no cap to what you can really learn. I completely agree. That's, uh, the same with me. I think if you aren't someone who, you know, just intrinsically uh, loves always learning curiosity, at least you also know that learning curiosity, those, those characteristics are very well rewarded as well. So, you know, if, if the learning doesn't do it for you, um, you know, there's so much opportunity uh, to, to be had once you're, once you're involved in the space. 
Um, so great. So yeah, last question. Um, this is a kind of a repeat question I've been trying to do. Uh, so if you could give yourself your past self, that is uh, one piece of advice before entering the crypto space, what would it be? And this could either mean before you started working in crypto or Web3 or before you spent a single minute learning about it um, and general or specific, whatever you want. Buy Bitcoin. <laughs> no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, That's a good one. That's yeah, what I'm telling my 16 year old self for sure. Yeah, I definitely would have told that to myself um, <laughs> had I had known. Um, but I think aside from, you know, the advice I gave to myself, I think uh, definitely is just like, take the leap. Um, there was so, there were so many times, like, you know, even last year, the year before, when I was like, very curious about crypto, but I just didn't take the leap to really fully explore it. And obviously I regret it. Cause like, if I had, you know, if I had explored it in 2021, like who knows where I'll be now. Um, but then again, like, you know, I, I don't regret like getting into Web3 when I did. Um, I think that everyone, you know, has this, if you have a curiosity about things that are innovative and things that are like really moving fast in the world, then you probably have a curiosity about Web3. Um, and my advice would just be to, you know, like start, like there's no wrong time to start. So just start when you can um, and don't look back because, you know, everyone will have FOMO from like not having looked back or not having joined earlier or not having like, you know, participated earlier. But I think we're all still so early um, in terms of like everything. Um, and I think even if you're late, like you're still going to get something out of it. So I definitely just recommend starting um, and not looking back. Unironically, we are still early. Yes. Um, that is a that is a good message to to end on then. So yeah, thank you so much for your answer, Sarah. And I am very excited to see where you go and layer three goes, um, you know, in the future. So thanks again. 